This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the BRFCS podcast. In this edition, we have a special interview with Alan Myers, former Director of Communications at Rovers. Many of you will be familiar with our special guest, Alan Myers, from his appearances on Sky TV over the years, but we, of course, all know him from his time at Rovers as Director of Communications. So a very warm welcome from all of us at the pod. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you on board, as I say. So I think it's well known you're an Everton fan, Alan, so why a blue and not a red? Oh, well, <laughs> my whole family uh, are Liverpoolians. Uh, my dad was, um, and my six brothers uh, we're all Liverpoolians. Um, I was the only Evertonian in the family. And that came about because I used to, uh, as a kid in Liverpool, I used to cut hedges and wash cars and all those sort of things years ago. There was a lady across the road who I used to cut cut the hedge for in the garden. And um, and she was actually the cleaner for Harry Catrick, uh, the, the then Everton manager, you know, at Belfield training ground. In those days, uh, you'll remember at Blackburn, um, when the first team played away, the reserves always played at the home ground. And uh, and that's what happened. And she said, "Do you want these tickets for the for the reserve game?" You know, and I, I used to go to Everton reserves every other week when the team was the first team was away, and I just became an Evertonian, and it stuck. And once you you know once you get the bug, 
that's it. And uh, and I could never change. And I, I took an awful lot of stick in my time, you know, from my family. And I remember once when Liverpool won the league, pipped Everton to the league in '85. I think it was, um, you know, I was jumped over by all my uh, all my brothers when when <laughs> Liverpool won the, the the actual league, you know. So it was, it's it's hard, but you know, you support your club through thick and thin, and no matter the ups or the downs, and and you know, and that's quite um, interesting at the moment as we speak, you know, on a Rovers podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I certainly think that Rovers fans know thick and thin. Uh, it's certainly been a thin gruel of late, yeah. but who knows? One day it might it might return. So who are your Everton heroes? Well, my ultimate hero. Is Bob Latchford? Um, you know, he was he was everything for me, and we won the league early seventies. But then we we sort of went in a real bad time, you know, up until when we when we won the league again, you know, in mid eighties. Um, so Bob Latchford was our real only sort of great piece of uh, you know of enjoyment, if you like, and and he you know his thirty goals in the season was great, and and he just he just sort of gave us something to cheer about, you know, and and, and we had some great players at that time. I, I've spoken to Bob on a number of occasions, done some uh, some some uh, after dinner things with him, and you know he talks about being one or two players away from having a really good team at that time, which we were, you know, and we had people like Duncan McKenzie, who you'll know you know very well. Blackburn yeah and and we had of course Howard you know eventually came Um, so we had some links with with Blackburn down the years but through that time I think Bob Latchford gave us something to cheer about when we didn't have much else uh, to cheer about I I seem to recall the Daily I think it was the Daily Express that's right 10,000 pounds he won yeah and he, yeah, in the days when ten thousand pounds. Yeah, was a lot but he, of he always tells the story. It's quite funny. He always tells the story that he um, he ended up with about three hundred pound, you know, for himself after tax and after <laughs> after paying his teammates and everybody else and charities and you know. So it's quite Fantastic. a good story. But now it was great. And um, funny enough, I actually missed. I was working in a local chip shop at the time as a kid, as again, and um, I missed the actual thirtieth goal. You know, but but what was hilarious at the time was I was in the back of the chip shop um, doing some work and I listened to it on the radio we, we beat Chelsea 6-0 that day and he scored the- you battered him yeah oh. exactly and uh, well, yeah, I'll see what you've done there but, um, no, but we, um, I remember when the goal went in it was a penalty and when the goal went in I, I fell to my knees and put my hands up in the air and the next day in the paper the celebration that Bob Latchford did was exactly what I did in the ship shop, and I always felt there was a sort of, uh, you know, some sort of psychic um, cross there, you know. Uh, but uh, now nah, he was, he was, he was a great player. He was a great goal scorer, and um, and, and he's certainly my hero. But I mean, I, you know, I've got tons of Everton heroes, you know, down the years. Yeah. I've seen many teams, and you know, I've, I've supported them for for 45 years, 50 years now, you know, and, uh, you know, I won't ever stop. So what was it like to work for your boyhood club? It was great. I loved it. I had two spells there. Um, one, you know, in the nineties when, you know, again, it wasn't, it wasn't the best of times on the pitch. Um, but we had people like Duncan Ferguson, Paul Gascoigne, you know, all these characters and, and it was, it was good fun, you know, and I, and I loved it. I mean, you know, there's a there's a big thing in, in football that you know it's dangerous to work for the club you love because you sort of over over passionate things and yeah. if that's a, if that's a term, you know, but ne- never meet your heroes principle. Exactly, like yeah, and and I think you know that was a problem for me, and and I always felt a little bit you know sort of too cared a bit too much if you can do that. You know, it was it was great. You always wished that you had a a real successful moment. I mean, the season when I went back uh, just before I joined. Um, Blackburn actually um, I had seven months there 
which was fantastic. And, and, you know, with Roberto Martinez and we had in that first season, we had some real successes, you know, we went to Man United and beat them. And, you know, we had other games where we, you know, we did well and, and we were up there at the top and I think they qualified for Europe that year. And, you know, so it was, um, you know, it was, it was good and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it, but, um, but in the past now. Let's come up to more recent times, I guess. Um, before you joined Rovers in 2014, I think it's fair to say the club had been through a pretty tumultuous period. Mm-hmm. Recognising that, what was your perspective of the club and its plight as an outsider before you joined? What, what what was the word on the street, as it were, about what was going on? Yeah, well, I was working obviously in the media with Sky at the time, and um, you know, I'm, I was the first journalist as such to meet the owners over in in India. Uh, I went with Sky, and we took our cameras out, and I actually was producing at the time. I, I wasn't actually as a reporter. I worked with a guy called Garint, who, who who went with us as a reporter. But but we met uh, Madame Desai, and we met um, Mr. Benke, and we met uh, Mr. Palaji, and. You know, it was great. You, you, you sort of went there and you thought, because at the time, they, they'd really just come into their own, if you know what I mean, and, and the, the, the troubles hadn't really started at that point, if you like. You know, it was a little bit odd, I think, people are, you know, because, you know, Blackburn's a very traditional club and things were done in a certain way, you know, in a good way. And I think people were a bit concerned about change, you know. And uh, so we went over and we spoke to them and, and they were they couldn't have been nicer. They couldn't have been more pleasant. And I have to say, you know, certainly from Mr. Benke's point of view and, uh, and Madame Desai's point of view, who I've sort of dealt with more than, than Balaji, um, you know, they were, they've always, always been 100% polite to me, decent people, you know. And, and that's the difficulty with all of this is that, you know, you can't, you feel as though you should criticise and, and you probably got room to criticise, but you don't want to because they, they were always so polite and so nice to you and so courteous and, and, and really respectful, you know. And, and, and I think that, that that was, for me, that was something I always, you know, fought against and, and I, 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 you know, it was hard for me. But but we went over and we, we did a, a few features with them and they showed us around their, their, their businesses. And, and, and uh, so I, I got quite, um, I don't say friendly, but I certainly got a good con- connection with them and, and good contact with them. And, and I would ring up and, you know, and I would, I would ask questions at the time because obviously we were focusing on the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, you know, Manchester City at the time as, as Sky, you know, because they were the big stories, you know. But so you didn't have that much contact with them. Um, but I did have that relationship. And, and, and in fact, you know, they talked about me joining the club then, you know, but I, I was never really interested. You know, I could see what was happening and, and felt it was, you know, wasn't for me. And I always told people at Sky that the only job I'd leave for would be Everton, you know, and that came up and, and that's how I become come to leave there, you know, so... so- Bearing that in mind, then, what on earth possessed you to join what was one of the most dysfunctional clubs in the league at that well, point, and may still be? Yeah, friends? it's like it's like the um, it's like the girlfriend who thinks they can always uh, straighten the uh, straighten the bad boy out, you know. And <laughs> and it was that relationship that I had with them, and I looked at it and I thought, you know what, these people need help, you know, because in football it's so difficult to get it right, so difficult. Even if you've been in the game for 30, 40 years. It is so difficult to get right. And there's so many people out there who want you to get it wrong. You know, I could see that they, they genuinely wanted success. They don't, they wanted it to be right. It wasn't happening for many, many reasons. And um, and I just felt, look, you know, I, I've always had a, and I said this, you know, in my time at Blackburn, and, and it's genuine. I genuinely you know, mean this. 
is that when I used to visit Blackburn, no, in, no matter what um, form, you know, whether I was I went there with Everton, whether I went there with Sky, where, wherever I went there, I was always treated in a really professional manner. I was always welcomed, you know, properly, um, and and everything about it just came across as a really well-run quality club, you know. And, uh, and 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 like I say, you know, from the catering, from you name it, you know, whatever we did at Blackburn in, in whatever guise, you know, we we, we got treated well, and um, and and I always, you know, I thought, yeah, you know, this is a good club, and I felt that they needed help, certainly from a, you know, from my background in, in PR and, and, and communication, I felt that was probably the area they needed help the most, you know, because they, you know, yeah. you had these people who, from what I could see, you know, were decent people who wanted the best, but they weren't for whatever reason getting their message out. And, and I felt that there was a, you know, there was a, there was a job to be done there, you know, and I genuinely thought I could do it. So recognizing that when you took the role, I think Rovers, Rovers fans would feel that they have been portrayed in the media in a really, really adverse way. I think it's fair to say that the, the, there was an awful lot of pushback in the media about the protests that uh, that took place, particularly with, around Steve Keane's appointment and, and everything that happened there. What were your perceptions of, of that when it was going on before you joined the club? And, and what, how did you hope to turn around that relationship? Because that, that seems like a really, really tall order. Yeah, I remember... Um... You see, I think I said to people at the club that the staff and the fans had been punched in the face for too long now, you know, and that was the, that was the way it felt is that, you know, staff at the club, when I looked, I looked at some tired people, you know, when you get relegated, when things aren't going well, it's such a difficult sell and, and such a difficult place. You know, I remember an old chairman once saying to me that, Alan, he said, when you're losing games, even the pies taste nasty. And and it's, it's a great <laughs> saying, and, and it's so true in football, you know, that it's a difficult thing when you're not winning games and, 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 and they weren't winning games. Now, you know, what I saw with the Steve Keane thing, I saw a man who was trying to get on and do a job, whatever whatever the reasons for him getting the job in the first place, you know, he wanted to get on and do the job. He tried. And, and in a large extent, he took a lot on himself. Now, you can criticise him for doing that because he didn't have to, I suppose. You know, he could do what probably a lot of managers would have done and just, you know, sort of did his job do his coaching job and, and, and leave the rest for other people. But but he did take it on. But it can never be one person's fault at a football club. Never. You know, it can never be just the manager's fault. It can never be just the chief executive's fault. You know, it, 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 there's so many people involved with the football club that there's a, a full responsibility for everybody there. In that sense, I had a little bit of sympathy for him in the fact that, you know, he seemed to be the centre of attention getting the, getting the you know, the criticism um, of which... You know, he had to take his blame for that. You know, his part of, of the blame for that. Sorry. You know, I always felt that um, it could never be one person's fault. You know, and uh, and it was wrong to sort of single him out. But like I say, you could argue on the other side. He put himself up for that. So well, I must admit, I think that from the perspective again, I'm trying to represent the um, the opinion of the supporters mm. here. I think Steve Keane became the figurehead, mm. and the campaign certainly was focused upon mm. him. And I think that was. That was probably, we lost a lot of empathy, I felt, uh, as a result of that. But I did also feel, and I don't know the truth of it, but there are copies of alleged contracts that have, have emerged subsequently with ridiculous bonus payments. And you could see why the guy was prepared to take mm. it on if th those were generally the, uh, the remuneration terms that he was going to receive. Mm. So I think if you're going to put yourself up there, 
you've got to be prepared to take it. And he did become the figurehead. And of course, uh, there was no UK presence, probably until you came along, uh, where the fans felt that they could communicate. And and that was probably one of the biggest challenges that that we saw. So what what did you hope to to bring to the party? What did you hope to achieve when you came? Well, I mean, I looked at it. I thought, well, I remember, you know, the morning, I actually left Everton on a Thursday afternoon and joined Blackburn on the Friday morning. Now, that there was absolutely no planning to that you know i think people felt that i'd left everton to join blackburn completely the opposite i joined blackburn because i'd left everton my, my reasons for leaving everton were you know were, were what they were and, and, I, and I, I would never i was never going to talk about that you know because i don't believe in and just like now you know i don't believe in in in, in you know talking badly about you, you people that you've worked with i certainly wouldn't talk about bad about everton and i certainly wouldn't talk bad about blackburn rovers you know i've tried to stay supportive with the fans especially because i feel for them uh, but but on arriving there on the on the friday morning you know i, I said what what can i do here you know and the first thing i felt needed addressing seriously and urgently was discussions with fans and talking to fans because listen n- none of us can really guarantee success none of us can say things aren't going to happen you know that that unforeseen things that we you know we we don't we don't do well uh, none of us can say we don't make mistakes but what we can do is talk about it and and you know have empathy for the fans because i am a fan you know I, i'm a football fan I, I go to football to watch football you know not not to be some sort of executive it's why when i left when i left sky to join everton i only wanted to be a director of communications if i could do the job differently than what i felt a lot of people did i didn't want to just be a suit who who you know looked over press conferences and, and made sure that the uh, you know the commercial boards were up at the back and you know i wanted to communicate with supporters and at everton i had massive success with that um with the crest redesign and, and, and a number of things which we you know had a tea party which which was a really and people still talk about it today you know it was and and whilst it all sounds a little bit gimmicky it wasn't because it was about allowing people and, and i'll never forget um six months in somebody coming to me a blackburn rovers fan and said i feel like i've got my club back and that was the biggest compliment I could have been paid. You can't ignore football fans, you know, especially with social media now. You know, you've got to talk to people. You've got to listen to people more than anything. And, and that's all football fans want most of the time. Because I believe that what a football fan wants is for the club to lead. You know, they want people like me to lead the club. It's not their job to do that, you know, and, and I think that's where the conflict comes in is when they feel they haven't to do that, you know, um, yeah. you know, and it's not their job to do that. They want to look and see that people, you know, are trying their best. And there'll always be criticism. You know, every time you lose a game, there will be criticism because people hurt. 24 or 48 hours, usually it's gone and, and we're on to the next game. You know, it's like a drug. So, so in that respect, but, you know, I wanted to make sure that people felt the club was open to them. What, what I was faced with was a fractious fan base you know, which was one of the biggest challenges. And this is what happens when a club goes through what Blackburn's gone through. People start to fragment and they start to fight against each other. The whole unity is lost. And, and that's the sad part of it, you know. And I felt that we did, to some extent, get that back. You know, it, it, we had the fan zone and we had people, people were able to talk, you know, I met with both supporters groups, you know, the fans forum and also uh, Bragg. And I would yep. speak to people anytime. I think, you know, I, I don't think there's anyone who would say I refuse to speak with them, you know, because I know that isn't true. And, and, and I would always answer questions. And, and sometimes you couldn't, 
you couldn't answer them fully because of commercial sensitivities and, and just being professional. But I always wanted to at least talk to people and, and, and address some of the concerns they had because people talk about using, I hate using the word customers in, in football, you know, because football fans are not customers and never will be. Category. Yeah, you know, because, no, no. you know, you go and buy something from the shop, you can take it back if it's bad. You can't take your football back if it's bad. You know, so that means that you're not a customer for a start. You know, so that that's the starting point. You know, so people in my positions in football clubs owe the fans that respect. You know, and owe the fans that explanation. And, and I just felt that you know that that was what was missing on my arrival at the club. The yeah. sad thing for me is that actually the director of communications role was probably one I was least doing. If you like, you know, that was the one I had. I, right. I did the least. You know, and, and that was sad because. You know, other things took over and all of a sudden I was looking after the commercial activities of the club. Um, I was looking after all sorts of things, you know. Um, and, and, you know, at the time you think to yourself, well, I shouldn't be, this is not my job, you know. But in a situation we were in, we have to get on with it and we have to, we have to make it right and you want it right for the club. So to come back to a point you made earlier, the Venkis inherently seem like decent people. I don't think many people would, would argue with that. There was never going to be a problem with them passing the fit and proper persons test. They've no um, judgments against them. There's no adverse uh, court cases or anything no. like that. But I, what I can't understand, and I still struggle with it this day, is you've got people who clearly know how to run a commercial organisation in their own country, in a business that they, they know very, very well. But they made some, on the face of it, extraordinary decisions uh, and left huge vacuums of decision-making locally in the UK. And it felt like in the days of John Williams's leadership at Blackburn, all the things that you talked about earlier about Blackburn having an excellent reputation, all that sort of good stuff, they threw the baby out with the bathwater completely. Not on the field by getting rid of Sam Allardyce so abruptly, or off the field by getting rid of all the... Um, competent middle managers and senior managers that were at the club and directors uh, and just leaving, almost like leaving a vacuum, sort of saying, well, you guys fighting out between you. I mean, what, what was it like to work there on a day-to-day -day basis? I can't uh, I can't disagree with any of that, really. And, and I think, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the problem comes in, in, in what they were hearing, you know, from different people. And, and there's been different people all through the six years that they've, you know, and, and, it, and, and I add myself into that, you know, I would give them advice. I always like to think I gave them good advice and, uh, and honest advice. One thing I'll always be is straight and honest and, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, but the problem comes, the real crux of the problem, people say to me, you know, what's going on here? You know, and, and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an easy question to ask and a much, much difficult, yeah. more question, more difficult question to yeah. answer. Um, but I think talking generally here, what you've got to have in any business is responsibility. You have to give people responsibility because without responsibility, you can't have accountability. And, and this is the problem. Unless, you know, if, if I was given a task in any job that I've done, I would do it. I would either fail or succeed. If I failed, I would, I would be accountable for that because it was my responsibility. It, it, you know, if I succeeded, I would take the credit and rewards yeah. for that. However, if you're not given the responsibility or the full responsibility, you can't be expected to be accountable. That then allows opportunism, if you follow me here. And you leave yourself vulnerable for people who want to be opportunistic, you know, and have their own um, Agenda. uh, things, agendas and, and, and uh, you know, advantages to take. And 
And I think this is, and I'm not talking, you know, illegal things or anything like that. You know, I'm not talking, you know, I know there's a load of conspiracy theories. And, and, and listen, they may or may not, I have no idea. I've never seen anything illegal happen at the club. Um, and I can honestly say that. Um, however, what I'm saying is there are people who will, you know, take advantage of that. Uh, what would you call it? You know, uh, lack of responsibility and accountability. You know, that they would take advantage of that because when you're not accountable, you know, people can use that, you know, that, that you know, sort of um, weakness of responsibility. They can use that to... Well, it's filling the vacuum, you know, isn't it? If there, exactly. If it's almost like, uh, it, I, I'm something, again, as a fan looking from outside from with me to think, I wouldn't run my business like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just leave people to sort of like sort it out for themselves on something. Anyway, in the days in the Premier League, the, the turnover that the club had made it a pretty significant business. And you just can again, I still struggle. I can't conceive of how they can run something at home in one way and yet have this satellite business in the UK that they... they yeah, kind of I think you have to look at it. If you look at it, if you take the six years in a whole, well, it's probably a little bit more than six years now, isn't it? But, but if you take the... You take that period in in a, in a whole sense of, of of looking at it and to analyze it, and you look at the first two years, there were big mistakes made. Obviously, you know, you just look at the maths, do the maths. You know, relegation came. Now that can happen to any club, but Blackburn Rovers um, at the start of this period were a strong mid to top table, top of the table team. You know, they never really looked in any danger of, of relegation. There was a, maybe the last season, you know, the last season of Sam, but there was a, there was a little bit of, you know, um, to and throwing in the league, which can happen, but they never really looked, they always looked capable of, of finishing mid table to sort of eighth, you know, so you've got to, you know, you've got the facts are there, you know, the, the club, drop into a relegation cycle, if you like, and it was inevitable when it happened. So that that, that covers the first two years of, of the tenure. And then you've got the middle two years, which, and, and this is not, please let you know, be sure that, to know that this is not about me, you know, bigging myself up, you know, far from it, because ultimately I failed. No matter what I say, how I felt I did and, and what I did well, you know, ultimately I failed. You look at those two years with Gary Bowyer, with Derek Shaw, with myself, and we had stability, and I think I don't think there's anybody out there that would argue that. You know, we had a stable club. We never had a Venkies out shout in those two years, not one. You know, and I I know that for a fact. We had people. You know, we lost games and we won games, and we had people who were you know moaning about the football. And I understand that happens at every club, even at the top of the Premier League. But we had stability. We finished eighth and we finished ninth in the two seasons. You know, we we bought some great players, um, or you know. It, when I say great play, players, players who would then go on and be worth money to the club, yeah. as we've seen in the last year or so, you know, and, you know, the likes of Duffy and, and, and uh, you know, Rudy gets dead and Gary bought some, some great players for really good prices and, and, and made them. And, and then you look at the last two years and you see again the, you know, another relegation. And you have to do the maths and you have to see what happens there. And, and I think that period when you had, Football people who knew what they were doing, you know, and, you know, listen, eighth and ninth isn't good enough. You know, we needed to finish first or second, you know, or we needed to at least finish in the playoffs. And and I take that. But eighth and ninth is much better than getting relegated, you know, and, and that was... That was what, you know, the, 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 don't forget, you know, we had a big ship to turn around in those two years, you know, and, and, and I felt, we you know, we were doing it slowly but surely. So... 
you know, to, to, to you've seen it with Blackpool, you know, you, to, to manage a downward spiral is really, really difficult. And that's why people say, oh, you know, um, some of these clubs that come up into the championship, they manage it. Yeah, but they're coming from a different direction. You know, they're, yeah. they're not having to manage yeah. big wage bills in the championship and, and all that. Sort of stuff. So there's reasons why. So what I'm saying is there's a stability that's needed. And, and, just know, and then you run with the rest of the pack and, and you take your chances like everybody else does. But unless you have that responsibility for the people that, you know, what you should say as owners is, right, here's your budget. Here's your, here's your, you know, what we want. This is what we expect. You know, this is what we want you to do. Go and do it. We'll see you in a year, you know, or whatever. You know, I, people go on about the, the owners not coming. Okay, yeah, I, I'd like to. I would have, when I was there, I'd like to have them to come a lot more. It doesn't, that's not important to me. You know, as long as their funding is there and they're, and they're doing what their responsibility is of owning the club. I have no real problem whether they come to games or not. I'm not really that interested. You know, you can have an owner like Abramovich who is is 100% football person, and you can have owners. You know, off the top of my head, I can't think of any well, other, Man- others. But Manchester City is probably well, it, yeah, exactly. The, the guy yeah. has delegated to his representative in, in the UK, of course. and sort of said, yeah. "Get on with it, do it." No problem. I have no problem with that. I don't need to see the owners at the match every week. What does it matter? It doesn't get you any more points or goals. So. But, but what matters is that their contribution, their responsibility is, is you know, is kept up and, and, and is, is uh, honoured. And I think, it, you know, in many of the ways, I think Venkis have done that. However, uh, like I say, that changed for me and that responsibility, again, was taken away. And, and I just, when I, when I left, I left for the reasons because I couldn't see that changing. Unless you have that responsibility you can't be accountable. And if I'm not accountable for something, I don't want to be, you know, um, I'll make my own mistakes and I'll stand up for them and I will take it on the chin, you know, but I'm not going to do that for other people. And I'm not going to, you know, especially people who, you know, in my opinion, don't know the game, you know, and don't know about football. So, so in that respect, you know, that was the difficulty and that, that is only the only difficulty. And that's what worries me. You know, I saw at the fans forum thing the other night that they held, you know, which, I, you know, I think, you know, my personal view is on that, is that why would you only have these, why would anyone only have two yearly consultations with the fans? Why would you do that as a club? I want to hear what the fans are saying every day, yeah. you know, every week, every month. You know, I, I want to hear what our main contributors to our club, our supporters, you know, I want to hear what they've got to say, you know. But that listen, that, that's other people's decisions. And that, and well, they're, they're tick box exercises, aren't they, I think? And they, and they, to me, they come across very much as that. The fans consultation meetings, they are they are laid down by the EFL. Well, absolutely. You will, you will mm. have these, mm. and they come across as perfunctory meetings, I think. Yeah, and, um, and the thing is, you know, because you are restricting fans to that, you know, then you have to say to yourself, well, so what type of fan are you going to get there? You know, what yeah. when I say what type of fan, I don't mean what type. Of, what I mean is what what frame of mind is that fan going to be in when he gets to that um, that, that thing? You know, I, I used to meet regularly with the fans forum and with, in fact, I think I went to virtually every one. I think there was only one I missed. We had a, we had, we got a relationship. We had a friendship. You know, um, I remember <laughs> I remember in one Savio uh, who is quite uh, famous, isn't he? In, in, in yes. the, within the Blackburn fans, you know, he tweeted me barely two hours ago. Really? Well, he wanted it. He wanted <laughs> a teapot. Name check. He wanted <laughs> a Blackburn teapot. And, you know, as a bit of fun, you know, because we didn't sell them in the shop, I went out and I got a Blackburn sticker put onto a white teapot and, and gave them it the next one. But it's those sort of things. And whilst they're a bit of fun, and 
what it's building is trust, yeah, is yeah. is honesty within a club, transparency, and there shouldn't be anything in a football club that you can't say. This is, there might be things that you say, look, I can't go into that because it's going to damage us from a commercial point of view. Um, and by the way, you know, during that two years I was there, two and a half years, whatever it was, you know, we had some good commercial. There's a guy there called Greg Kaur, who many people will know, who is such a hardworking man and has, has put up with so much, dedicated his life to that club. And there are many like him there. Um, you know, they should be they should be rewarded, you know, because, Absolutely. you know, they, they, they have given everything to a, a football club, which they, they, they love so much. And, and, and I think that's what it's about, you know, and, but, but getting back to what I was saying was, you know, when, when it comes to fans, I want to hear what the fans have got to say that they are my big companies would be delighted to get this. They pay thousands of pounds of money Absolutely. to, to get that sort of feedback, you know, yeah. <laughs> surveys and all kinds of things. You know, you've got this on your doorstep. And you I get find instant it, feedback in the football ground. <laughs> exactly. I find it odd that on my, the day I left, I remember someone saying, I won't name them, but someone saying to me, um, you know, good, we only have to talk to them twice a year. And I, and I thought, why would you? I mean, it, did, it wasn't my concern anymore because I was, I was walking out the door, you know, but I thought, why would you even think like that? You know, why would that even cross your mind? You know, and, yeah. and I knew... I knew what would happen, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I could see what was coming, you know, and and I, and I thought I can't be part of it because Blackburn Rose is too important for me to have that on my conscience, you know, and and, uh, and and believe me, you know, it's cost good values. It's cost me a lot of money and a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, a job, really, you know, uh, you know, I, okay, I, I work back for Sky now, but, but, you know, um, I wanted to carry on with Blackburn. I wanted to be a success there. I still do. You know, one day I hope to go back and, and finish what I'd like to have started, you know, and because it's such a great club and it's, believe it or not, I think it's actually an easy club to run. It really do because the people are so dedicated. Um, the infrastructure is really good. You know, what the legacy Jack left this club exactly. is yes. fantastic. And, and, other clubs in the same sort of similar demographic, you know, would would give their left arm to be like Blackburn, you know. And what I don't want to see is all that being torn apart and, and deconstructed, you know, because that's really important. You know, what I do say, and this is in, this is a real important message, I think, to the fans, is that you've got to think forward all the time. It's no good looking back on things, you know. You need to to think forward. You know, I saw that they were talking about um, the Owen Coyle thing. You know, it's no good looking back over, over. you know, my dad used to say, you know, don't cry over spilt milk. It's no good. It does no, it does nobody any good. And, um, and, and I think you've got to manage it now. I would have loved to have worked with Tony Mowbray. Love to have worked with him. I think he's everything Blackburn Rovers needs, you know, and, and that's, that can't be said for people who've come there in the past, you know, um, you know, but uh, but he's got to have support and he's got to be able to get on with the job and do the job the way he wants to do it. He's a real football man. And I think I wish him every luck, you know, every best of luck for, for you know, for going forward. Well, thanks very much for that, Alan. I think that's, that's an interesting, well, fascinating insight into uh, into your time at the club. When, when you look back now, what, what's the, the thing that you're most fond of? From your time at Rogers? You know, there's a number of things. Um, first of all, I think the friendships I've gained from there, 
uh, and I still still have. I've got some real good friendships from people who, you know, the thing that really saddens me more than anything is that I can't walk back in there and go and watch a match. I'd love to go and and just watch a game, but for certain reasons, I don't think I'm welcome there. You know, and and that that really upsets me. You know, because and I will as soon as the time's right. I will go back and, and support Blackburn Rovers, you know, as a fan. I'll get you a ticket for an away game then. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds good. I would, I literally would love to go. But I think when I look at my, my biggest pride, I think, is is my relationship with the supporters, you know, because, you know, I was told when I left that I'm the only director to walk out on my own or to leave on my own accord. Uh, I'm the only director not to, um, to get a payoff. Um, you know, in the six years, uh, and I'm quite proud of that because the bottom line is, I'm, and I'm not looking for medals. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm genuinely not because, you know, I, I didn't really do anything in the end. You know, I could have done, and I, I wanted to, um, and I feel that we did bring for a certain period a stability to the club, and and we felt that we, you know, and I think you can ask any of the the main protagonists in that whole sort of supporter movement, if you like, which was created after the first two years. And I think you can ask any of those people, and I think all of them would say that they got on with us, and we we spoke to them. You know, we had certain fans forums, which were sometimes feisty. You know, sometimes so th- there was a there was a tension in there. But but that's good. You know, I have no problem with that. You know, I, I remember I remember going and doing the tea party at Everton, and uh, you know, Everton gone through a particularly bad period with the fans um, because of the crest uh, redesign and all the rest of it. And um, I remember this guy coming up to me and saying, I've really enjoyed that. And this was one of the main sort of people who'd been fighting the club. And he said, I really enjoy- feel like I've got my club back again. And, and that same saying again, and I heard it again, as I say, when I when I went to Blackburn. And, and it's so so easy to achieve that. You know, and people think, people think communication is an easy job to do. It's a very difficult job to do because you, what you have to do is take everybody's uh, opinion and you have to listen and that's what people don't do is they don't listen they say what they want to say but they don't necessarily listen and all football fans want to do and i think i think this is the same right across the country you know if things happen football fans accept that they, they say yeah okay you know they're not they're not idiots you know they can assess when something's difficult you know and mistakes being made i don't know you sign a player I don't, no one really knows how he's going to do. You know, no one knows. No one says has got this magic formula, you know, of making everything successful. So, but what you've got to do is explain your reasons for doing things. And when people understand that, people accept that a little bit easier, you know. And, and whilst they'll still be upset because they haven't won games, you know, at least there's an understanding there. So I think that, you know, and I look back, I think I, I sort of, I take quite a lot of pride in that. You know, we we introduced a number of, like the fan zone, which was already sort of in the pipeline when I came. You know, that's become a really popular thing, you know, to, to go down into the fan zone. We had some great pre-match situations there, you know. And what I take with me is this second team now. You know, I've got, you know, and I, and I never hid my uh, my love for Everton. I would never, I would never try and hide that and suggest that I was a Blackburn fan because I wasn't, you know. But I am in, in a sense now because it's the first result I look for after Everton every week now. And I, you know, I my fingers crossed and my toes crossed. I, I, every now and again, I'll do an accumulator in the betting shop. You know, now that I'm out of football, I can do it again. And um, <laughs> and I'll never put Blackburn on there because I never want to predict any scores. You know, because I'm I'm nervous about what they no, do. I don't, I, don't, I don't think you'd ever win any money by predicting. Well, maybe, maybe. maybe. That's for but but no, you know, honestly, for the fans and for the staff and 
you know, strangely enough for the owners, you know, I want them to be successful and I want them to, to, to grow again and, and because they deserve it, you know, and it sounds cliche and it sounds all nice, but, you know, yes, of course there are problems there. You know, you don't need me and you don't need to be a, a genius to understand that until I think the owners get that system of giving people who know about football the responsibility and allowing them to get on with it. I don't think it's going to change. I, I don't see... I don't see where it will change. I think, you know, yeah, you'll always have that problem. Um, and I, I, as I say, I, I do feel for them and I have a lot of, I still have affection for the owners, you know, uh, as I say, certainly Venky and, and Madam because they were the two I was close to, you know, and, and I've spoken to them since I've left on a couple of occasions, you know, and, uh, and there's no hard feelings, but, you know, it's difficult to, to get it over to them what needs to be done. What, what, what was the straw that kind of like broke the camel's back then, Alan? What was it that made you sort of think, that's it now, I need to Well, it was a, for me, it was a lack of communication. That's a bit ironic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, that's, and, and, I, and I understood that more than anyone, for obvious reasons, because it's my job. And, um, and I think once people stop communicating with you, um, you know, it's difficult. You know, I'll never go into reasons of why and what we did there and what I felt wasn't right because that you know being a professional uh, as a former director you know I have to uphold that 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 office if you like and so I will yeah. never go into the specifics of that what, what I would say generally is that you've got to communicate with the people you put in charge and, and you've got to give those people that you feel give you the best chance you know Gary Bowyer for me was the best manager for Blackburn at that time. For, for the model now, I mean, listen, Tony Mowbray's done brilliant, don't wrong, but he wasn't there at the time. But they had a manager in Gary Bowyer, and we've seen it at Blackpool, what he's done. You know, a manager who has got time, who will look after the young players, bring them in, you know, do, yeah, okay, people could can pick holes in any manager's, you know, CV. They had this guy who I felt was was right for the club and right for the owners. You know, obviously, you know, the owners were, were advised not to do that, not to go that way. And and, and, and that's sad. And, and, and I think, you know, there were certain things I just felt, for me, you know, you've got to look inside yourself in these situations and say, can I honestly, you know, I will never take a wage when I feel I'm not giving 100% for that wage yeah. and and I genuinely felt that I wasn't doing enough to warrant that wage and that's a difficult thing to sell, tell yourself so if you've only got a family and you've got to justify that to your family you know Absolutely. and um but I did it and uh, you know and I paid for it because you know it's not easy out there but I, I would never change it for a second you know I've said in the past you know I would go back there for half the money I was on you know to 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 get it right if you know what I mean I've felt that I could do it yeah if you felt you yeah, and, and and you know because it's such a great club and and it's such a such lovely people and, and, a, and such a great town, you know that you know I, I want them to do well and uh, like I say, you know my message to fans would be stay positive if you can, and I know that's a big ask. Believe in Tony Mowbray because I think he's he's a great man to have at the club, and and that whilst he's there, I think you you're okay, and uh, and just keep supporting them the way the way they do, you know, and I heard the other day that the season ticket sales were the same as, as they were last season, which is, is a real testament to the fans, you know, and, uh, you know, just keep supporting them. I think it'll be interesting if the, uh, the run of form continues and we're up and around the playoffs for the half-season tickets. I think that will uh, yeah. that will influence a lot of people and hopefully get them Listen, back. Listen, fa- Blackburn fans have had criticism quite a lot, you know, people say, you know, uh, they don't support them. Believe me, when they're giving it back, 
Blackburn fans will respond. I've seen it. I remember when we, we came out with the, the, the new kit and it was the best sales in 10 years, I think, we'd had. The best shirt sales we'd had in 10 years. And because people responded and people felt that there was a there was something happening at the club and, and maybe maybe it was going to turn around, you know, um, ultimately, as, uh, as we all know, it didn't, you know. And, you know, that that's the sad part for me. You talked about what I'm, I'm most pleased about. The, the biggest sadness for me is that I didn't make it happen and and, I, and I, I kick myself most days because I don't think it's that far away and it's that difficult to make it happen. And I wish I could sit down with the owners and say, look, this is what you need to do, you know. And You're not the only one. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that is the point. That I'm is so the point, you know, is that there's so many people. Wanna, so who says that I'm right? I don't know, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, but anyway, yeah, we are where we are and, uh, you know, you, you just have to go onwards and upwards. Alan, once again, on behalf of the pod and on behalf of all Rovers fans, thanks very much for, for being so honest with us uh, in, in this podcast. That's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're welcome at any time. And if you want a ticket for an away game, I'd be more than delighted to try and I'll get take, you I'll take you up on that, Ian. And thanks very much. I've really enjoyed it. I'll always speak to Blackburn Rovers fans, always. Alan, you're a star. Thank Cheers. you very much for that. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.